And begin. Everybody wants to have their own tribe. Everybody wants to be their own king. Everybody wants to have their own language. And we got to dismiss that stuff. We got to start moving as a unit if we want to move. We got to start collaborating instead of always trying to compete. Because when you compete, you crush each other. When you compete, you destroy each other. When you compete, you put each other out of business. When you compete, you don't make any progress that way. Tweet Talk episode 98. Here we go again. We on the what it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Yes. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Meganet himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Episode 98. I think that was um when the Dallas Cowboys were balling was in 1998. I think that was when they were big time. So episode Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, why not? Michael Irvin, Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman. I should check that out and see if it's true, though. Not just making yeah. assumptions on the, on the potty pod. Well, you already said it. Episode <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. Just take our word for it. Do not hit that Google. Welcome to Tweet Talk That Well Podcast, where we make up our own stuff. Our own stats. <laughs> dissect tweets and talk about building black but we are your hosts Raphael Husbands that's myself follow me on Twitter at Work Money Life and of course Charles Oglesby aka Todd Millionaire follow him on Twitter at Real Todd Billion but you could call me SPG Poppy that's my name today because SPG just released earnings and they increased about two and a half percent which is substantial when you have um, a holding that's that large so shout out to SPG for paying my mortgage Shout out to Simon Property Group. Man, we are here. It is the beginning of August 2021. What a difference a year makes. Oh, it is August, huh? That's crazy. Time really flies because like this time last year, we were in the middle of COVID. And now we're like in the middle of kind of COVID, kind of not COVID. Some people say it's COVID. Some people say Delta variant. Some people say all this crazy stuff. So it's some interesting times out here. All right. So we talk about building back wealth. And I'm Raphael. I am the uh, moderator, the reporter. Charles is the millionaire. And <laughs> in case you don't know who we are. And we'll start off with this tweet that you had. This this tweet, I kind of wanted to end the show with it, but we had we have to talk about it so i might end it with it but just to remind folks but let's start off with this one. you say you are dope af you have a greatness inside you but you think a job is the only place that can beam you work yeah um so recap I actually got a chance to go to a really cool event this weekend um and usually these events turn into the full-on weekend so you go out to a city for an event and you tend to kind of uh, link up the day before hang out the night of hang out the day of the event hang out after the event and then also maybe if you're still in town do something the day after the event. So um went to Dallas, which has a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot of, but it has a strong African-American community that does well. But what I realized is it's a different kind of well, where Atlanta is a lot of entrepreneurship success. Dallas is a lot of people who have good jobs and live in an area that has an affordable cost of living. And so it creates this dynamic where you can kind of look like you're balling, but you really just have a job. Whereas in Atlanta, to be balling, you got to have a business. And so um what I what I realized is like the people are different. The people, they they aren't as collaborative. They aren't as supportive. They aren't as friendly. It was really unique, like to see so much Black success, but also to kind of not really feel as though people were just like that friendly. Like it just was weird. But anyway, one of the part of the reasons why I brought that up is because there are so many people out here that I know who are sitting on like crazy, crazy wealth. 
in their brain. Like there's things you could be creating, putting out there, advertising, helping people with that you're just not putting out there because you think that unless your boss tells you that you're great and gives you a raise, that it doesn't really matter. And so what I found is a lot of times your community is going to celebrate you a lot more than another community will. And for some reason, every other community understands this except for us. No other community goes to another community and tries to get them to affirm them the way that we do. We're like, oh, well, if I could just get a Grammy, then we'd be good. Other communities ain't worried about nobody's Grammy and worried about nobody's Oscar and worried about nobody's like little pat on the back. First black person to be this. Like they're like, nah, like I'm going to just stay over here where they love me and they appreciate me. Mm -hmm. And so just this weekend, I realized because I've just been doing this a lot that everywhere I go, it's like, that's Ty Millie, that's Ty, he's this, he's that. Versus when I was in the job, I never got that. In fact, they kind of downplay and belittle the things that you're doing outside of your job. They're like, oh, you're doing that little podcast. Oh, you're doing that little uh, investment club. Oh, you're selling your little courses. Oh, teach people how to invest. I wouldn't want to learn how to invest from you. Like folks just said some crazy stuff to me at the job. And you can let people, and I know people who let the job just dictate their worth. They let whether some person who isn't even a business owner, I think Dame Dash really helped me out. He's like, a lot of these people are managers. They're not entrepreneurs. They're not business owners. They didn't build this. And even if they did, they probably got given it because I've worked for firms where the dad was rich and then now his son is rich. But like, he didn't have to like go out there and create that and bust his butt and grind. And so we got to be careful who we let define us. We got to be careful who we let tell us that we are or are not something because I've never been in a job that empowered me ever. And you probably feel disempowered because you're on a job. You probably feel unwanted. You probably feel unworthy because you're at a job where they can't really make you feel great because they got to play the political game. They got to keep you down so they can make it profitable to run you up. And that's just not the way to live life. You could be out here making your monthly salary every day. You could be out here making what you would make in a month of commuting, driving up and down the freeway, stressing out, going to sleep early, waking up early, being away from your family. You can make that in two days. I don't remember the last time I haven't done that, where I've made between August 1st and August 2nd as much as I would make for the entire month commuting to a job, being belittled, being micromanaged, telling me to send these reports, doing mindless tasks just to pass the time, just to say I had a job when I'm more free and more happy now. I travel when I want to now. I go where I want to now. I make it happen how I want to now. I pick up the tap now. I like that life a lot better. So uh, you were saying that it was a weird vibe and this was the uh, Bosses and Brunch Bosses and Brunch event in Dallas? Yeah. Right? Now you said it was like a weird vibe. You said it's more like jobs over there, like people with jobs over there. So you think that's what it was? Like people, because people over there are more in jobs. They're used to like being in competition with each other and being like the only at the job. 100%. 100%. And that was kind of the deduction that I made from it. So first off, I'll say that at the Brussels and Brunch event, everybody was adult. It wasn't at the event. It was just the interactions that I had with people outside. So when I was at the hotel, mm. like I was walking in the parking lot and it was I thought I was about to get jacked. I'm like walking in the parking lot and there's like this dude standing outside of his car. And so like I'm walking to the hotel and I speak to him. He doesn't speak back. And then he kind of like walks towards me to kind of like walk to his side of the car to make sure I'm not, I don't know. He like walked to his side of the car and I spoke again. He still didn't say anything. It was weird. And then when I was leaving, the day I was leaving, I'm like walking out and there's like a dude sitting outside of a car, a girl sitting in the car and like I'm walking up to the car and like they're looking at me crazy. And so I pop the truck on the Porsche and they start the Porsche up on him. And they're like, oh shoot, like maybe this dude isn't ain't shit. So honestly, maybe they're drug dealers. Maybe they're just standing outside waiting to do a drug deal. I don't know. But like all th- even in the lobby, like this one lady, she walked out of the lobby and she didn't really speak. It just wasn't really what I'm used to. But people tell me that it's always kind of like that. But I don't know. I've, I've never really experienced that. So it was dope. It was cool to see because, I mean, there I will say that like we were at Del Frisco's and like the whole restaurant was black. And I'm looking and it's like people eating are black. And I was like, that's dope.
dope. That's cool to see. It's cool to see that mm-hmm. they're eating. They're black. They're not ghetto fabulous. And so in one instance, I would say like the cool thing about the middle class is they're not ghetto fabulous. They drive the little Maximas. They got the little whatever purse and they're not like super flashy with it with like to like overblown Hollywood type stuff that sometimes you can see in Atlanta. So I think there's there's good and bad. But for me, I just I feel like Atlanta fits me better. You grew up in the West Coast, brother. If you grew up in New York, you'd be used to people not speaking. Yeah, well, I guess. I mean, well, I guess I expect something different in the South. Well, that is true. I get it. Yeah, right. Yes. You think of that hospitality. So they say. But you know well, who's very nice out there? White folks. The white folks are just too nice. They were like super nice. They were like, I dropped I dropped like a ticket in the airport and it was like a little baggage claim ticket. Those things don't matter. And I would just walk in and something like, hey, hey, and I look back. He's like, here's your ticket. And I'm like on the airplane and some lady's like, well, here's your, you dropped this. Here's this. Some dude in the hotel is like, and I think that was what was kind of weird to me. It's like the white folks are super nice, but black folks are just kind of like, ah. Mm. So that was kind of interesting to me. And on, on the on the job tip, you also said changing how you speak and carry yourself to be able to put food on the table is not how I want to live. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm not one of those people who like code switches. I kind of just am who I am. But I just, I realized like some people when they want to do something, they got to like completely code switch and they got to be untrue to who they are. And I think that's whack, especially for like the wages that these jobs pay you. And I was really thinking about this today. I was like, in a lot of ways, like jobs really are the new slavery. Like integration was just a ploy to get the wealth back. Like what happened is sometimes like the solution isn't the opposite. So the solution to like white people's problem with with slavery wasn't ending slavery that actually created a new problem for them. The new problem was like, bro, like these black folks kind of good at this business stuff. And so like, oh man, we can't have that. We can't have that because they keep crushing it. They're doing way better than we are. They're out here building multiple black Wall Streets. Tulsa was not the only black Wall Street for you guys that didn't know. And so they're like, bro, like we got to figure something out. And so then they're like, all right, well, let's integrate and work on integration. And so they brought in integration. All the businesses were gone. Now we got ghettos. They ship jobs overseas. All the middle class is gone. Now we got ghettos. And so there's been active, like there's been things that have been put in place to continue to set black folks back. And so I just had that realization today because people love to get on this hype train and say like, don't hate on nine to fives. People need nine to fives, but like you have a nine to five and you can't afford to, to do anything really. And yeah, there's ways around it. Like I saw a tweet and there was a guy who was talking about how like people work and they get a raise and they go buy a new car. And the guy, his response was like, well, that just keeps you hungry. So you, you keep hustling. And then I was like, well, then what happens if you get the new raise and you get an even bigger car? So you just stay in this, it's called a rat race for a reason, because like you just stay in the race, you never get out of the race. And so um, I just, I've realized how kind of oppressive the jobs can be in multiple ways. Like not being able to be yourself is oppressive, is oppressive. Not being able to speak how you want to speak is oppressive. Not being able to court, conduct yourself how you want to conduct yourself is oppressive. They're literally making you be more like them and less like yourself. And if you're okay with that, that's fine. But um, I just, I don't, I don't feel very liberated in having to, to change who I am just for the bare minimum, not even max. It's not like you're out here rich. It's not like you're out here living your dream. It's like you got to you gotta fit in just to barely get by, barely be able to pay your bills. That's crazy to me. It's the bare men. I saw uh, Stephen Story uh, talk about that on Twitter. Uh, Stephen Story, with he, um, he was saying like he sees people get a raise and they run out or finance a new car thinking that the, the debt is going to motivate them to hustle, like you said. But the problem is then that debt ties you down and keeps you locked into that job, that, that income right. for, for and, longer. And so like I would say that like the alternative to that is um, that's why we really when I used to really be on this thing I would talk about frugality and people used to hate when I talked about frugality but like frugality allows you to create margin between your job and your life and so if you create margin between your job and your life now you can have that capital to start investing your way out of your job and so part of the slavery is how these things kind of work together how you got to pay off student loan debt you got to work a job to pay off student loan debt you got to work a job to pay off your mortgage debt 
that. You got to work a job to pay off your car debt. And you don't realize like these old dudes who own these companies be hanging out at the golf course, figuring out different ways for them to plot on keeping you working for the rest of your life. That's what they do. And they all work together. So you might think like, oh, well, the student loan people, he got my... No, his homie is the mortgage lender. His homie is your boss. And they out there, they know exactly how much they got to pay you or how little they can pay you to justify you running along that wheel. And so like, that's why I think, I think entrepreneurship is the true freedom. It really is. Entrepreneurship is free dumb. I was thinking about this today. I was like, you know what? A payment on a Lamborghini is like two grand. But if I can make two grand a day, I could drive a Lamborghini. I could drive whatever I wanted to drive. I was like, that's kind of crazy. Like, it's really not that expensive to live the life that you want. I was talking to Tayon Tech, his lease, his payment on his uh, McLaren is like $1,700 a month. I was like, that's crazy if you think about it, like $1,700 a month. And like we said, it's easier to make an extra $1,700 than it is to save a $1,700. So if you create something with your spare time and go make the money, live however you want to live, man. Yeah. And the thing with that, when he was saying, like, you get a raise and then go finance the cars, like, it kind of, it's like, what was the point of the raise? Like, you start off at a, a small salary and then you build it up, and you add more debt, you get a bigger raise, you add more debt, and then you look up and more than half your salary is going to somebody else, like, making payments. And it's like, did you really level it up? Level up. You got a nicer lifestyle, kind of, but did you really level it up, though? You got to outthink the trap. Like, Jay Morrison used to talk about, like, all these things called the trap. And so it's like, you right. got to, like, outsmart certain traps. The student loan trap, the corporate trap, he used to call it. Right. What else did he have that was a trap? The, the, the corner trap. trap. The corner trap. The obvious traps we know of. Right. But he was actually over there talking about different things we didn't know were traps that are actually traps. Um, and so it's just interesting that we we can't, kind of like with the, the baby thing, people have been posting something similar. They've been talking about how, like, um, they'll let you rap about killing black dudes and they'll rap, let you rap about calling women bees. But as soon as you start talking about the LBGDQ or, like, or even the Jewish community, now they're pulling your card. And what people don't realize is that's because y'all don't control the things that you're producing inside of. You don't control it. And so your message gets tainted. And what's worse is the same people who are telling you who to vote for are also allowing you to rap about killing your own people and calling women bees. So I think there's some conditioning and some direction there. Maybe they're making you think that what's not in your best interest is in your best interest. And you're over here just like, well, the media said, because the media is owned by the same folks who will let you talk about those people. Yeah, so some funny stuff, man. Funny stuff. I mean, now, it, mm -hmm. it's scary stuff. It's scary stuff because people don't connect the two. They don't think. They don't realize that like the people who you think have your best interest actually don't have your best interest. In fact, they have your worst interest. They want you to kill yourself. I was reading, I was watching something and they were talking about how um, there's this dude in Black Wall Street who had a newspaper and he was talking, they were talking about how like white newspapers back in the day wouldn't share black success stories. They would only share like criminals. And I was like, ain't nothing changed. Mm. Only thing that's changed is we don't got black media now. And so I think that what's interesting is like we don't realize like they're painting a narrative on purpose. They don't want you to see black success stories because black success stories create more black success stories. They don't want you to learn about that stuff because now they can keep you in a hole thinking that all you have is these options. This girl posted something and she was talking about how somebody killed, somebody tried to steal her bike and somebody was like, well, they got a camera up there. He was like, I don't care. We only got one way out of this hood. And she's like, I could have mentored you, taught you how to start a business, help you get your credit report straight. You could be doing blah, blah, blah. But you think you're convinced there's only one way out. Who told you that? Who mm. who told you that lie? Who made you think that you only got one way out when there's a bunch of people out here doing it? The media did. And maybe the ignorant people in your, your community did because they do a number on folks too. Sometimes it's not just the media. Sometimes it's the ignorant folks in your community that are making you think that you only got one option, but you do have other options. And that's why people like us and podcasts like this are important. And rappers even say in their, um, in their rhymes, like it was either basketball or rap. And that was the only two ways that was going to make it. They, they reinforced that all 
all the time. From back in Biggie days, they've been talking the same thing for like 30, 30 years. If you want to get out the hood, it's either basketball or rap. People still, I guess that's why people still look to do that today. 30 years old. Boys Watkins put out a tweet today. I think it was today. Mm-hmm. It was today. He'd be tweeting like, he'd be posting like I post. He said, let's start celebrating our black thinkers and leading experts, not just the people who know how to rap and dribble. And one of the reasons why I was I was thankful for the pandemic is it allowed like the people who rap and dribble to not have as big of a presence. And it allowed the people who are doing things to help people to create a presence. It's unfortunate that it's kind of coming back, but an intelligent community doesn't follow its rappers and its athletes. An intelligent community follows its intelligent citizens. It's people who have success. It's people who have education. It's people who have achieved certain things. And one of the ways also that the media kind of leads us astray is the media likes to determine who our leaders are. The media likes to tap who's going to be speaking for Black people. So now we got to listen to Al Sharpton instead of listening to whoever the newest up and coming leader is. So social media helps that. But I just think that that it's just it's frustrating because we shouldn't be out like LeBron James didn't go to finish high school. Yeah, he's done some smart things with his money, but I guarantee you it was more LeBron James advisors than LeBron James just being savvy. It was more Jay-Z's advisors than Jay-Z just being a whiz at business. Because when you have money, you can pay for the right advice. And so we're out here thinking LeBron James is just a whiz. And I don't think that's the case. I think LeBron James has some smart people, some educated and some informed people around him. And so we should be taking cues from them, not from LeBron James. That's just my thoughts. We can't be out here just letting dudes who didn't even finish high school, probably didn't finish middle school, tell us how things should be because they don't know. They don't really know. Other coaches would be like, shut up and dribble. I don't mean to say (laughs) it in in a bad thing, but like as a community, maybe he does need to just dribble. Like he's not that dude for us. We need the people who are really doing it. We need the Dr. Boyce Watkins to have a platform that LeBron James has. We need the Dr. Claude Anderson to have the platforms that Nas has. Like, yeah, they've made some good investments, but that ain't changing the culture. That's just something good for us to look at and say, congratulations, Jay-Z, Jigga Man. Yeah, the problem is what they do is like, it's like playing the lottery, man. You gotta be, you gotta be super talented and you and, and still need a lot. Even with the, all the hard work they put in and with all the talent, you still need a lot of luck. Even with the hard work and the talent, you still need a lot of luck. You break a leg, you could finish. Something goes wrong, you, you sign a bad contract, you could be signed forever. And, you know, and, and it, you have a short shelf span, like shelf life. Like an athlete, you got what, 10 years maybe? Depending on the sport and you're a rapper somebody, like people switch up every year, man. Got a new rapper every year. Like, how long can you be in rap? I mean, it's possible, but it can't be the hottest fellow. Yeah. That's not, that's not. And, and we got to start moving like intelligent communities move, man. And there's a book called The Jewish Phenomenon. And they talk about that. They talk about the odds of becoming LeBron James. So you got to, it's like a mathematical formula. You got to look at how much money can you make if you're LeBron James? I can make a million dollars. I can make a billion dollars. How likely are you to become LeBron James? One in a trillion. So multiply one in a trillion, that ratio times a billion. What is that? It's probably like a negative number. <laughs> a really, 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 really small number. And then you take what are the odds of you be going becoming a successful business owner, a successful attorney, or a successful doctor, a successful engineer, a successful person working in tech? One and two. I don't know. Probably very easy. Probably you have a, whatever you dedicate yourself to, you can actually get it. So you have a 100% rate percentage rate of becoming successful in tech. How much are you going to make successful in tech? 150 grand. Multiply 150 times, funny 150 grand times one. Is that number greater than the percentage of becoming LeBron James? Yes, we're going to become tech. That's how we got to start making decisions. It can't be like, but if I do become LeBron, because how many how many of our family members do you know thought they were going to 
to be that dude in sports. Almost every dude in my family thought they're going to be that dude in sports, and none of them did. Not a damn one. Zero. None. Including myself. I was like, I'm going pro. Blah, 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 blah. I didn't make it. Thank God I had a backup plan because I was smart. But like, it has to be that real. We can't be out here just hoping, man. Yeah. And the thing is with uh, becoming an entrepreneur or businessman is like business owner is that you can actually get, not you can, but you will, as long as you stick with it, you will get better at it as you get older. You can be 60 years old and be way better than you were when you were 20. Like you never, that will never happen in any kind of sport, no matter how good you are. You will not be better at 60 than you are at at 25, 30. Most athletes, you you, you peak around between 27 to 31. So they see your your peak physical um, ability. And then it goes downhill from there, from the early 30s, start creeping down. You hit 50, you're, you're, you're not dunking. Like even Dominique Wilkins at six foot seven, one of the best dunkers ever. He ain't dunking like that. Now he's probably in his 40s. Like, but he can make some money. Like Matty Johnson. Right. Matty Johnson made more and more money every year. More and more business every year. But he can't beat nobody on a basketball court. Yeah. And then also your friends and family can help you in your business. So your friends and family can't show up and play basketball with you. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop, presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to Gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Okay, Okiefa Shades is the premier choice for sunglasses. Top quality, unique, signature, fresh, trendy. Our shades provide significant UV light protection for eyes, and we have the best customer service around. The freshest and trendiest styles for both men and women. The finest shades to fit your style. Okiefa Shades is the premier choice for sunglasses. Visit www.okiefashades.com. That's O-K-I-Y-E-F-A Shades.com. Or on IG or Facebook at Okiefa Shades. Or on Twitter at DJ Ebrock. Other cultures, man. And this is why I study other cultures because they just do it right, man. They have success. I don't necessarily study. Like I was watching the DeLorean video and he had, he's had some, he's, he's kind of a weirdo. He had some success and he also had like some massive failures, but I'm going to still study success. So I'm going to study wealth. I'm a master. I'm going to study. I'm a, a student of wealth, not just black wealth. I'm a study of student of wealth in general. So Jerry Jones, I was, I was at the stadium, got a chance to check that out. And like, I've read his story. I've read his bio to find out how he was able to achieve what he achieved. And so it's like, we as a culture, we have to study the folks who have done it, folks who have made it, and then figure out how we can implement that into our life. By the way, though, I saw you I saw you uh, outside the stadium and you said that he was one of the few uh, football owners that was not a billionaire when he bought the club. How did he become a billionaire then? White billionaire banter. <laughs> this episode of the podcast is called White Billionaire Banter. So basically, Jerry Jones, just he was, a, he was an NFL player. He played pro football. And then afterwards, he just wanted to own a team. And so I want to say he made like a bid towards buying one team and it didn't work out. And so then what he did is he made a bid to buy another team, but he didn't actually like have the money. He put together like a group to buy the team. And so he raised the money in some capacity and then he bought the team with the money that he raised. And then I think through ownership of a team that has now become massively successful, now he's a billionaire because that's how net worth works. Net worth works is if you own a certain amount of assets, less the liabilities, now you're a billionaire. Somebody posted something in there saying like making a million dollars and being a millionaire are two different things. Well, imagine is how much you keep. And so 
Also, what matters is these sports team owners make a lot of money. They just don't really advertise it. But um, I think the Cowboys are worth like, let me see. How much are the Cowboys worth? They are worth $5.7 billion. Jerry Jones is worth $8.9 billion is what they're saying. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. He made his money in the oil industry and made the mm-hmm. best investment of his career in buying the Dallas Cowboys, which turned into a winner both on and off the field. So he was in oil, but I don't think he like made, like I don't think he got rich in oil. I think he made money in oil, like maybe $100 million, but it wasn't like billionaire money in oil. Like you see, so it's a good start. <laughs> it helps, but yeah, that's what that's what kind of struck me when I read his story. I was like, wow, like I thought he was already a billionaire before he bought the team, but it, apparently he wasn't. Yeah, most of them are. It takes takes big money, but but I'm sure he had a whole ownership group behind him, like the power of the group. But anything if you got a big enough group behind you, seriously, only like uh, to tell y'all, man, y'all be listening to me. Only like Dame Dash is kind of like looking to do it by himself. Like years, I haven't heard him say it lately, but a couple years ago he was like talking about how you know he's going to keep flipping his businesses, keep flipping. His Flipping until he get a billion, and then he's gonna buy a football team. You know, and it's like, wow, that's cool. But it's gonna take him. It's gonna take him a long time to get there. And you gotta have a lot of success to get there. If you get flipping, yeah, it's, it's like, and you can get close, and then something happens, the economy turns, or something goes down. Two or three businesses just fall out of favor, and then you're down to like four hundred million. Yeah, Dame is yeah. smart, but I think he doesn't realize he needs other smart people around him. But yeah, I think his goal should just be like just put together a group and buy a team. That's what LeBron James is a part of. They were. They I was talking about like LeBron James owns this much of this team. He's a part owner. He put his bread up. Right. But he 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 stacks them up, man. Those little pieces, he stacks them up yeah. and leverages them, man. Leverages his celebrity. I think I think LeBron James is very much aware of what he is, who he is, <laughs> and where he stands. Like I think he's very much aware and doesn't care. Like he understands like you put a team to, you you put a team together, you win. And winning is the objective, not saying I'm the man. Like people criticize LeBron a lot, but LeBron doesn't brag himself much. LeBron is about winning and to tell you he scores a lot of points he scores a lot of points to somebody who's he's really actually like a pass first player who just happens to score a lot of points I don't know how he does it really but the guy's about winning so that's that's the mindset that we need to have and to have his kind of self-awareness because I'm pretty sure he knows he just he's just about that winning life apparently they say LeBron James is like the smartest person you'll ever meet that's what this one guy said so yeah whatever man whatever works with him but it's like you said we can't all we can kind of watch him can't replicate closely everything he does but you know I, I still I still applaud him it takes different approaches we need we need all the wins we need all the wins and not don't play anybody tell the truth that, uh, fun fact that people might not know is that um, well I think people will know that Michael Jordan is the only majority owning the NBA who's African American but what you might not know is that Shaquille O'Neal is a minority owner of Sacramento Kings and what you really might not know is that Grant Hill former NBA player is a part of the ownership group that owns the Atlanta Hawks I was surprised to find that we're trying to win I mean yeah. we can't get the big piece of chicken right off the bat mm. one time you know you gotta stack up the wins the next yeah. generation will have like half might have like a 10% interest in the, the team then 50% then we can start stacking up these wins and, and buying whole teams but now Charles to switch gears like completely yeah a tweet I think it was well, it was definitely about real estate and about wholesaling versus one of distressed sellers you said terms matter more than money and it's a real estate tweet but I kind of feel like it, it, it speaks to other things uh, you want to explain this one terms matter more than money Um. so I had a call with the brother today. Um, he wants to sell two big commercial buildings for $4.9 million. Nice. And that's a lot of money. But 
since I'm talking direct to the seller, there's so many other options that I have. So let's say, for example, we were able to come up with some plan and turn this into this great development. I've done this in the past where I've made an offer to buy a property and the seller would just like subordinate the property to like a new loan or the seller would um, joint venture with us where we partner up and we'd invest money into the to building it up. And then they would take money when we sell the property, release it up or refi. And so now you're doing a $4.9 million deal without $4.9 million because I get control. I can get the funding. I can do the deal. Let's say we sell the deal for $12 million or it's worth $12 million after it's done. We just do a whole bunch of cool stuff, make it a park outside, turn it into some nice lofts and it ends up being worth $12 million and we can refi it for 70% of that. And what's that like? $8 million? So now I'm giving the seller their $4 million. They're out of the deal. And now you can take the $4 million off the top. Versus if some dude brings me a deal and he's like, hey, I want $4.9 million. Now I got to really come up with some real money. And mm. so the, uh, the the biggest thing that like I took from one of the Don Peoples books is he'll always give the seller what they want. I'll give you 4.9, but I want the terms. I'll dictate the terms. So maybe I'll give you earnest money of 100 grand. Maybe I'll give you earnest money of 50 grand, whatever that looks like. And then he'll carry a note, but maybe he'll like forbear a large part of the payments for like a year or something while we're getting everything situated. That is how people make money in real estate is by that stuff where you go direct to the seller. You have a conversation with the seller. You start working out a contract that makes sense for both of you. And now you start making real. So that's what I would say. A lot of people, I just, I'm tired of being dicked around by wholesalers. I'm tired of being dicked around by realtors. They bring me these deals. They don't make any sense because they've increased the value to the point where they are going to make their money, but you're not going to make your money until like two, three, four, five years down the line. I want, I want, I made my money. I want to make my money on the buy, not later. And so basically that's what I meant by that is terms create money. If you can dictate, if they're going to do a seller carry back, like some people, what they'll do is they'll go direct to the seller and maybe the lender won't finance the whole amount. And so they'll say like, all right, well, the seller will carry back 10%. So the seller carries back 10%, the lender lends 90%. Now you got to deal with hundred percent finance. And if you get it under value, you're okay. And so that's how you really want to do business, uh, real estate. You want to go direct to the seller. You want to send those emails, make those phone calls, do that stuff. So you're having a, you're in a more favorable position. And I, I realized that because I've been around people who just like been buying all these units with no cash out of pocket. I was like, There's a way to do it. Henry, that's what he does. He doesn't take cash out of pocket. Lamont doesn't take cash out of pocket. These dudes are just like you. They don't take any cash. They just dictate the terms. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because um, that deal that, that deal on uh, bytheblock.com that we put some money in last year, um, the crowdfund that was put on by Chris Senegal, that was an interesting deal. He bought a whole like block, a whole neighborhood from some white dude that the, the, the properties were in his family for, I don't know, one or two generations, whatever. And the deal was, I think, what if for like maybe one, like one million, something like that. He negotiated it. I think he negotiated down from 1.3 to 1.1, something like that. Whatever the price was. I'm pretty sure he can't remember if he put down any money, but the seller carried the note. And also he negotiated a deal where he didn't have to make any payments for like a year or two years. So then he went to social media, raised money through a crowdfund, $1.07 million just to renovate the property. And then he gets the cash flow and he doesn't have to make payments for a year or two. And the guy agreed to this, you know, and like, you can't, you can only do something creative like that when you speak directly to a seller. You can't go to a bank and <laughs> say nothing like that because it ain't going to happen. Nope. The realtor, because a realtor can't get paid like that. In mm. order for somebody to get paid like that, they got to have patience. And a realtor wants a transaction now. A wholesaler wants a transaction now. A wholesaler has no interest in waiting two years for you to renovate it, for you to lease it up, for you to do all these different things. And so your interests aren't aligned. But like real estate doesn't have to be like 
that. You can mess around and buy bad deals getting through a wholesaler or through a real estate. And a lot of times that you do. And a lot of times any deal that comes through a wholesaler or a realtor is a bad deal because now you're making sure that the seller gets money and you got to make sure that a random third party makes money. And you got to still make sure the contractor gets paid. And you got to make some money. You're investing at the back of the food chain at that point. You feel like you're investing, but you're really not. You're really not. And yeah, you might make some money in a few years from now, but I want to figure out how to make my money stretch. I want to figure out how to grow my portfolio to massive levels without having to put a bunch of money out of pocket. So I need to go and figure out some creative ways. When I was like, you, when you get around these people and they're just talking about, oh yeah, they got, I got seller financing on that one. Like seller financing is a real thing. Going to small banks is a real thing. Like I think that's the key here is getting around the right people, man. When you get around the right people and you see how people are doing it in real life, and then you also just know they're regular people who eat their steak well done, like then it doesn't matter. Like, bro, like we're all the same. I just got to have that conversation, have the confidence to have that conversation. Right. You didn't even know some things are even possible until you have that conversation. It's like, well, people actually do that? Like, that's a thing? Right. Like, they didn't even know until you had the conversation. That's just, just a lot of these. I mean, even if you get bank financing, if you go direct to the seller, you can still do no cash out of pocket because now the bank might finance 80%. But again, you're getting it out of such a discount that they're giving you the financing based on the value, based on what you negotiate. So what happens is if a realtor gets involved, they're going to price it at actual market value. If you go direct to the seller, you can get a discount to the market value. Now the lender's giving you based off of the value, we just got a free property. We just cash flowing. The sky is the limit at that point. Mm-hmm. It's just it's, it's, as many deals as you can find, you can finance. Right. Get creative folks. Try to get direct to seller and get creative. Um, now you said, you had a tweet where you said, you can't build a community of competition. Only collaboration can do that. Um, Folks are crazy, man. They'll steal your idea and they'll think you can still be friends. And as much as I like somebody, once they steal my idea, once they start selling something similar to mine, once they start creating products that are similar to mine, I can't work with them anymore because they're actively taking money out of my pocket. So I've muted folks. I'm blocking folks. I'm unfollowing folks. I don't want them to see my content because I don't want them to continue to steal it. But it sucks because we keep making so much more money building one Google, building one Ford, one GM, as opposed to being like, well, shoot, I'm going to just be like Charles and be over here, create my own blah, blah, blah. And I still see it. And it's misguided, man. It's misguided. It's frustrating. And I wish we didn't do it. Um, And so basically, we've been seeing how Circle of CEOs, they all collaborated and brought the whole city out. Four dudes got together and they brought the whole city out because there's power in collaboration. Him 500 really understands that. Him 500 understands the power of collaboration. He It's not too much that he does by himself. Um, Mr. Two Weeks Out understands the power of collaboration. Not too much that he does this by himself. His whole course is just him subletting everything else out. He has a course. He has somebody who teaches Airbnb, teach Airbnb. Somebody who teaches, teaches churro, teach churro. Somebody who teaches credit, teach credit. Somebody who teaches whatever else, teach whatever else. And so like what I've been seeing is, and what I've always known, I told people I learned this when I was working in banking. That's the whole premise behind the Thai Capital business was business that invest in your team sports. It's just people are now starting to see that. And so if you admire the success that I have, how about we work together as opposed to you just trying to duplicate the success that I have? Let's do that. I guarantee you, you'll make more money that way. Like even with people who help me out with certain things, like with uh, doing wholesaling, like, yeah, you can run off, you can do your own thing and you're going to work with somebody who's not on my level. It matters. We have a good podcast because we came together. I leverage whatever I have, you leverage whatever you have. And it matters. I'm not being arrogant. I bring value to the equation. And so people should stop trying to run off and try to duplicate me because in order to duplicate me, you got to duplicate a whole lot of other stuff. You go to law school, you go to grad school, you get an undergrad degree in finance, you read a hundred books in a year, you listen to a podcast a day, a blog per day. Like, are you doing these things if you want to be me? Because a lot of folks ain't, they're just, they're, 
they're copying the end result. They're copying the options course. They're copying the mastermind. They're copying the podcast. No, you got to copy everything I've done to get here. That's the true value of me, not just the end result, not just the idea. Again, we're the sauce. And so I would just say that we got to work together, man, because each of us brings something to the table that we all don't. You bring stuff to the table that I don't bring to the table. I can't do things without a team, even with the community. I couldn't do all that stuff. But by us working together, we had a team of 5,000 people and we probably could have grown an even more. Now everybody has their little baby groups. They probably got a hundred people in their group. They're like, we got a hundred people. Yeah. Another group, like we got, we got 200. I got 50 people. Like, so what happens is we take massive success and we dwindle it down to just small, inexistent nonsense. That's why our HBCUs struggle. Instead of creating one dope ass HBCUs, we got Hundreds of HBCUs, Raphael, they struggle because they compete. Why do you think we have all these banks that don't do anything? Because they just want to compete. They're like, well, if you got a bank, I got a bank too. If you got a church, I got a church too. You go to the to the hood, it's a church on every block because they rather build up their own church than build up one church. We got to stop trying to be like, and I know it's our nature. If you ever read the book, um, there's a book by Trevor Noah and he talks about how he grew up in Africa and he talks about how there's so many different tribes in Africa and so many different languages in Africa and so many different cultures in Africa. Africa, when there should just be one effing culture. But we can't because everybody wants to have their own tribe. Everybody wants to be their own king. Everybody wants to have their own language. We got to dismiss that stuff. We got to start moving as a unit if we want to move. We got to start collaborating instead of always trying to compete because when you compete, you crush each other. When you compete, you destroy each other. When you compete, you put each other out of business. When you compete, you don't make any progress that way. I'd rather uplift you than be out there trying to market and outmark you or out underprice you. People out here selling options courses for like $25 because they want to underprice me. They're over here underpricing me. 20 competition is a race to the bottom. We compete. We go to the bottom. We're compete. We're the only culture that competes amongst ourselves instead of collaborates amongst ourselves. The Jews collaborate. That's why they can punish you the way that they do. Because if one Jew punishes you, they all punishing you. We are like that. We're like, well, damn, that sucks for the baby. I got to get my money though. Like, no, if you cut off one of us, you cut us all off. Nobody respects that. Nobody respects if they could fire one dude and another black dude to just take his spot. They do whatever. They treat you however they want to treat you at that point. We don't move as a unit. We move as a bunch of just individual people. And that's what we get messed you can't succeed in America as an individual. It does not happen. It doesn't happen, Raphael. Right. Is that myth for the uh, rugged individual of this country? But then you looked and this guy got like 50 employees, 100 employees. Or you got a friend that you went to school with that had his own business and connections down at the banks or City Hall or, or whatever. You got to collaborate, man. And we, we, we're not like behind. We're way behind. And you need the power of the group to launch, man. To launch. And Charles, you had a tweet where you said anything proof folks in these days has a billion dollar folks. Man, um, when when you when you do certain things, you start focusing on different things. And so I forgot what I was looking at, but I'm not focused on a million. I'm focused on how can we blow this up and get a billion? That's so like, that's why I need people. That's why I got to merge. That's why I got to start bringing things together. I'm like, whatever you're doing, bring it in the house. Whatever you're doing over there, bring it in the house so that you can blow up and I can blow up. Because if I touch a billion, you're going to touch at least 10 million. You're going to touch a good amount of money, a good amount of money. I'm, I'm, but the thing is, there's a lot of folks who are like, well, if he got a billion, I want a billion. Not like, mm-hmm. I don't even got no millions now. 10 million would be quite nice. 10 million will be freedom. 10 million will let me live where I want to live, drive where I want to live, eat what I want to live. They're focused on that, not realizing like, we all got to get it. And maybe if I touch a billion, other people could touch a billion too. But my thing is, it's like, I'm chasing that. And I know that I can't get that based off my own efforts. I know that I can't get that um, with people breaking off and competing with me, people taking what I know and competing with me. I forgot what I was seeing. And it was talking about how like, 
some people will show up just to learn a little bit about what you're doing so they can go do it for themselves. And like, I don't want that. And I, I like, it's just silly. It's silly. And maybe people get impatient. They think they can get there faster. But I ain't ever seen nobody who came into my circle, learned what I what I taught them, left and did better than me. And I've been doing this for a while. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. So if you're considering it, don't. I'm not talking to you, Rafi. I'm talking about other people. But seriously, like, yeah, think yeah, about it. Yeah. We, ha- we have a top rated podcast. And and like, it's only going to grow. It's only going to get better. It's only going to do better. It's only going to create more revenue streams as soon as you create this Patreon. Um, And so basically, that's the goal. Anything I'm focused on, like, that's why we're even doing what we're doing. Think about it. If the mastermind is a business incubator, right? And I'm investing in people's businesses and I take a piece of that business. And so I have small pieces of a bunch of different businesses. It might be 2%, 5%, whatever, 5% of all these different businesses. You got 5% investment in 20 businesses and one of them blows up. That's a B. And so that's the things I'm trying to do. I'm trying to create a media organization. Like I was telling you, like, we, we can have our own podcast network. We got to think bigger. We can have our own podcast network. We can have all these different things falling in line, but you don't have to necessarily be an entrepreneur by yourself. Mm. If you're working with an entrepreneur and you're engaged in an entrepreneur venture, you're still, in my opinion, an entrepreneur. You're still working for a startup. You're still in a startup. You still have equity. You still have a stake. You still are taking that risk. It's not like, I tell my mom this all the time. I'm like, we always talk about all these different things we could be doing. Oh, we should get a condo in San Diego. We should get an RV so we can lease it out. We should get a boat. But everybody wants to do everything as an individual. Like, I'm going to get my boat. I'm going to get my condo. I'm going to get my rental cars. I'm like, if we were to walk in there with your credit, your age, your expertise, the cash that we have as a family, we're, we get whatever the hell we want to get. But we don't want to do that. We're like, no, I'm going to just go and get my condo. I'm going to just go get my rental property. They don't want to include you. People want to stun on you. I don't understand it. I'm still trying to flesh this out, but it's a mistake. It's really a mistake. We're losing because of that. That's the reason why we lose. I had an argument with the brother and he was mm-hmm. talking about how um, there's all this money available to set aside for black folks and we're just not tapping into it. I think that's a myth. Mm. I think it's nonsense because they, they're like, oh, well, they don't advertise it. They don't tell you what's there. I think it's just, I don't know what to really call it, but like if they really want to give it to black folks, they could give it to black folks. It's not like we're not tapping into it. I think what we're missing and what I've said, what I said before when we had Donald Trump in office, that we actually saw when we had Donald Trump in office, but we're going back to now that we have a friend in the White House, quote, friend, is we're going back to that competition. We're not collaborating. We're not helping each other. It's not the same. What we used to see on the timeline, it doesn't really exist anymore. It's different now. Now it's just a bunch of twerking and booty cheeks. And I don't know, but the collaboration is the key, man. It's always been the key. It always will be the key. And I, it makes everything inevitable. It makes your wealth inevitable. One of the things that I always tell my mom is there's power in the father and the son combination. There's power. When you provide energy, enthusiasm with wisdom and wealth, success is a foregone conclusion. And the family office that I worked in, the son was a house builder. His dad was still co-signing his loans. His son is 50 years old. His son is co-signing the loan. His dad's co-signing the loans, providing equity for the deals, actually kind of giving them the land for the deals. His dad had bought the land like years ago, and now they're turning it into single family homes. His son is wealthy. They own a family uh, property that's like a family beach home. Like the stuff that I be telling telling black folks to do is the stuff that other folks been doing. Mm-hmm. It, it just sounds like it would be great if we had a family home. Like they've been doing it. The people that you're over here admiring, saying they got all this wealth, they've been doing it. And the crazy part about it is if you get a family home, I was talking to my mom, like we get a we get a family condo in San Diego, we Airbnb it. But who knows what happens in two, three years now? We might say, you know what? I don't need the Airbnb anymore. We just need the Airbnb it to get into the door. Now we're just going to keep it. We could take care of a little thousand dollar note, $1,200 note, whatever the note is. That's nothing. I would rather be there. And then maybe I'll rent out my room up here, whatever that looks like. And so like the father and the son collaborating 
will allow a woman to not have to work. But if you're out there making your son struggle, not helping him pr- pr- uh, progress in business, even the law firm that I worked at, I met I, the dad used to come into the office all the time. His dad's not a lawyer. His dad's a businessman. His son's a lawyer. And he walked in and he was like, yeah, you know, I'm one of the owners of this business. And I was like, that's crazy. But I think that's dope. I never, that's, you can't, you can't legally own a law firm if you're not a lawyer, but whatever they worked out, he's the owner of the business. But you don't see that a lot in the black community because my dad wouldn't do that for me because he didn't have somebody to do that for him. But that's ignorant. That doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you make your son struggle because you had to struggle? You probably weren't happy about your struggle. So you think your sneakers look good, huh? Check this out. (laughs) Even the most exclusive sneakers once purchased look identical to everybody else's sneakers. Can I get a holla holla? So how do you take your boring regular sneakers and convert them to unique dynamic sneakers that will stand out? Yo, that answer is easy. You need to get laced with Get Lace Shoelaces. Yeah, Get Lace is a lifestyle shoelace retailer dedicated to inspiring customers through a unique combination of products, creativity, and cultural understanding. We just want you to upgrade your sneakers. So get laced. Visit GetLaceLaces.com or check us out on Instagram at GetLaced.com underscore upgrade your sneakers with a black owned business that provides international shipping wholesale custom and fundraising options upgrade them sneakers baby he's a genius man. get yours today at getlacelaces.com premium sneakers need premium laces pure body company formulates an amazing range of emollients with shea butter at its base Pure Body Co. focuses on providing all-natural handcrafted products for all people. At shoppurebodyco.com, you'll find body butters and lip balms that are not only moisturizing, but none of our products contain preservative or even those unrecognizable chemicals. So if you're looking to keep your skin soft, visit shoppurebodyco.com. And remember to join PBC Perks to receive rewards as you shop. And so for me, I'm like, I'm taking the opposite approach. I'm doing it for myself because it wasn't done for me. I don't want him to go through that. I don't want him to have to whatever. So yeah, man, don't cut it out, man. Part of the group is not just about strangers. It's also your family, your neighbors, your friends, all that stuff, man. And definitely should check out Todd Capital Mastermind Business Development Mastermind Group. Link will be in the show notes. We are all getting together, building each other up, creating alliances, collaborating, taking each other to the next level, man. Learning from expert guest speakers. It's fantastic. Come join us. And we're going to wrap it up from there. People, it's also Dollar Days at Tweet Talk, man. Go to gumroad.com slash Tweet Talk and get your $1 email book on how to create a podcast in less than a day check the links you could get the book on options from charles is it up to ten dollars now charles and it's all over the place but i put it at ten dollars <laughs> because if i have it at one dollar i can't run a midnight sale mm. because you can't run a sale you can't price something on gumroad less than a dollar and so i had to put it at ten dollars so i could run a sale um because and i just never changed it back so gotcha, I actually gotcha. to do but now these days i just tell um brie to do stuff she just does everything for me i'd say go in there change the links do all this other stuff. She be looking at my numbers though. She be kind of my pockets, but it's okay. I rather have her kind of my pockets than other people kind of my pockets. Um, she be expert. Yeah, man. But speaking of the billion, we're aiming for billions. I was talking to Black Wealth Renaissance. I was telling them I was like, "What's you guys' main source of revenue?" And I was telling them I was like, "Y'all got to get into software. Like software is where the billions are going to come from. That's where billionaires are made. A Black Wealth, like they have a brand. They have a brand that could create an app. Mm-hmm. Like their brand carryover would allow them to create an app. And the way that they're willing to collaborate with everybody else." 
way that they're doing that, like with the Andre Hatchet and the Annalise and all of those people, like they they could do it. They really could. But we had a really cool conversation. It was really cool meeting them because I was listening to them on the Millionaire Mindset podcast a long time ago. And they're talking about how they got the name Black Wealth Renaissance. And they said that they heard me say it on like a podcast or something. I was like, we're going through a black wealth renaissance. And I thought that was so cool because, I mean, their business has grown so much and they've just been doing so many really cool things. And like, it's cool to have a part in that, man. It's cool to know that something I said or did or posted has prompted so many people to become successful. And that was the reason why, like, um, when I was talking to that dude, he was very pretentious. Like, he actually was on their podcast. Like, I just didn't like his energy even from the interview. Like, he just was like, I didn't like it. And so he asked me the question because we were talking, like, the, the conversation came up and it was like, well, he's, he was like, I think we need to have more Black people getting more money from the government. I was like, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think we need to have more Black people doing exactly what we see here right now. He was like, well, what have you been doing to help Black folks? I was like, I'm probably the last person you want to ask that question. <laughs> my, my whole business is helping black folks and so I, I was like honestly brother in the large part I'm responsible for everything y'all see like there, there was no podcast um, putting black people on until my podcast my podcast was the first of its kind it didn't exist and that's not being egotistical it's facts everybody will tell you that and so like it has allowed other people to come in and do those things people were investing in real estate because they heard somebody on the podcast people were doing all these dope things because they heard somebody on the podcast we had the investment club now there's other mimical investment clubs we created a whole culture of people who trade options like literally all we have ever done is help folks and so it's just interesting that we had that conversation it wasn't a, a lucrative conversation but I want to invite him on to maybe an Instagram live and we could probably debate it out. Um, his name is Dr. Malcolm. I forget his last name, like McKinney or something. You could probably find him on Instagram, Dr. Malcolm McKinney. But anyway, what I was saying is that it was just cool to meet a lot of people. I met Jamal for the first time, which is funny. We've been doing business for like four or five years, mm-hmm. that for like four or five years and finally met him. Um, I'd already met Josh. So I, it was just seeing him again. Uh, met Xavier for the first time. That guy's a really cool person, man. <laughs> I was like, how you just so cool? Like, he's just really cool. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't know. Like, he's just like, I don't know. He's just like a cool dude. So met them. Um, got a chance to meet, uh, of course, the Hartzogs. So shout out to them, man. They're really cool people in person. But it's like, you see people so much online that when you see them in person, it's just like another day. It's like, I know y'all. I'm gonna see y'all. <laughs> Saw Henry, got a chance to talk to him. Um, always chopping up with Lamont. Who else? Renaissance was there. Andre. Who else? Of course, the other Andre was there. What else, man? Oh, think, uh, Mr. Think, Mr. Marshall was there. I think this Dr. Malcolm guy you're talking about, uh, Andre was Andre uh, Renaissance. He was on a, I think he was on a IG Live with this guy. Yeah. You know, collaborating about on some kind of business. I didn't yeah, really I've, know. I've seen him before. I knew I had seen him before. I just didn't know where from. Mm. And Dr. Shout Dr. Black Adams. Well, instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Black Wealth Renaissance. There's some cool guys too, man. And and they definitely, are about, they got the right mindset on that whole collaboration with competition thing. I remember I posted a while back about how we were uh, closing in on 100,000 downloads. And one of those dudes who commented like, yeah, man, like you got it. Like, you know, keep keep adding the value or whatever. Like He was like celebrating. Who? One of the um, guys from Black Wealth Renaissance. Oh. I forget which one. Oh. But he was applauding it, man. He was like, you know. So you, you know what's interesting about those guys? And I asked him this question. I was like, how do you guys like still stay together? Because like a lot of people, they would like break off. They got four brothers pushing the same business. And they were just talking about how like they're friends and they just have always known each other and so any like discussions they would have had they would already would have had any arguments or debates they would have had in like college but what's interesting mm-hmm. about them and it speaks to the aspect of collaboration is if you look at their individual pages their individual pages 
aren't that big. Mm. Like maybe like three to 5,000 followers. But if you look at their business page, they got like 350,000 followers, maybe more. And that's what collaboration does, Raphael. That is what I'm trying to get you people to understand. Collaboration is an amplifier. Collaboration isn't one plus one plus one plus one. Collaboration is one times a hundred. You will want a hundred extra success. And it's so frustrating to not have people understand this because they're literally choosing poverty by choosing to compete. They're literally choosing poverty by choosing to not work together. There are people in my options community who are able to also work with Kiakili, also work with Hunter, also work with Shauna, also work with all these different people. You on your own is nothing. Me on my own is nothing. I'm nothing. Me in a marriage with a son is something. Collaboration is the hack. Anywhere we go to get financing with both of us on that paper, it is a foregone conclusion. We get whatever the hell we want. Before I was married, everything was a struggle, Raphael. Mm-hmm. Everything. If I wanted to, even honest, even even when um, like I bought the car, like I don't know, like just it's different situations. Like we've never gotten such favorable financing until we got married. Collaboration is a multiplier. It is a mother effing multiplier. The Heart Sogs do an event. They probably get a good turnout. Andre does an event. He probably gets a good turnout. Uh, Xavier does an event. He gets a good turnout. Black Wealth Renaissance, they, get a, they collaborate. You bring people across the country. You collaborate. You got folks driving 12 hours. You collaborate. You got folks flying in. Got folks getting hotels. The same thing is true with the circle of CEOs. We as a culture have to work together. And I don't understand why I have to tell people this. I'm telling you, even when I see folks going off, they could be working with me, but they choose not to. Even I'm just going to be blunt. Like Lance, he, had, he, he came in, he was doing real estate with me and he decided I'm going to go off and I'm going to do my whole, my own wholesaling company. And he and this dude went off and they created this business. I'm not sure if they ever really got anything off the ground. Meanwhile, we're continuing to buy deals, continuing to flip deals, continue to renovate deals. He should have just stayed in. I ended up bringing him back into the fold and I still don't feel like he's all the way vested. Like I don't feel like he understands like, bro, we will, you will get rich fucking with me. We'll run into the top. You'll create a top podcast messing with me. But no, folks rather just go off and be like, I'm going to just do what Charles could do on my own. They don't understand it. I would rather, and I've always been this person. I'd rather be, I'm always about the collaboration. We went to um, Arkansas. It wasn't my name at the top of the flyer. I just participated and mm-hmm. I still won by participating. I'm actually going to be teaching a course on the Black Wealth Renaissance is uh, um, their uh, university. The academy. Thing. I just, yeah. Right. I'm not like, oh, I'm going to just create my own one of y'all thing. Like, no, like I can, there's going to be some value that I can get from that. And I don't, I'm not asked for, for no money. I'm just like, for sure, I'm going to show up. I'm going to do what I got to do. I taught on what's her name's class for free. She was like, where do I send the money? I said, I don't want the money. I just wanted to participate. I was honored you even asked me. I'm glad that you wanted to pay me, but I don't want it. Mm. And so like, as a culture, we got to get there, man. We got to get to the point where we're building up a bunch of dope organizations, not building a, a bunch of mini ships off of the big ship. Even in that meme, you saw the meme where the dudes are sawing their ship out of the main ship. <laughs> they didn't build a big enough ship. Everybody had little baby ships. You didn't build a ship as big as the ship that you were on. You built a bunch of baby ships. It's not even enough wood for you to build a bunch of uh, a bunch of ships that big. If you're taking pieces of the main ship, right? I laugh every time you bring up that meme. I picture it. It's like, it's funny. I wish I could. I wish I had it saved. But like that's the hack, man. Even if, like I would. I want to help other people. I want to promote other people. I don't want to have to block you and unfollow you because you decided to compete with me. I don't want that. I want to be able to 
fully investing you financially, intelligently, through my connections, through my, I want to put you on. Even with like everybody, I like my graphics dude, he got way more clients. This dude, he making way, way more money than I ever made in college as a junior. I'm over here creating a whole mm. business within for him. We're over here like, we just go start advertising it as mastermind graphics or mastermind marketing or something. We gonna just rent it up. But he gets to stand on top of my pedestal. He gets to stand on top of the 40,000 followers I got on my personal page, the 140,000 followers I got on the business page. He gets to stand on top of that instead of trying to build it from the ground up. My mom's business blew up this year because she got, I just emailed all 30,000 of the people on my email list, get your taxes done through her. She 10X her client base. I didn't ask for nothing. There's, I don't I don't know if people want to compete with me all the time. I don't know why. They be, they be thinking I'm average, man. They be thinking I'm just some regular dude, but everybody who thinks that eventually comes back around. I ran into Royal. He came back around. He's told me this multiple times. Like, man, you know, I mean, we had a falling out. I apologize. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so like he told me that on the internet through a DM. I ignored it. And then we saw it each other in person and he actually told me in person and so we I accepted then but like <laughs> everybody who tries to hustle me everybody tries to play me everybody who tries to run off on me comes back man so just don't leave all right just don't leave let's run it up together and let's build a google not a whatever the heck try to be google but they never become i want to build a google billions hundreds of billions we the sky is the limit when it, like the sky is the limit we could be getting hundreds of billions not just what's crazy is the the cowboys are only worth five billion dollars but tesla's worth crazy bread Tech. Mm. We need to be into tech. Tech. Let me see how much Tesla's worth. So much SPG is worth. How much these organizations are worth. So like in a lot of ways, even a sports team ain't even really no money. We over here putting sports team money on a pedestal and then even no money, Raphael. Tesla is worth. Tesla's worth. Wow. Tesla's worth $702 billion, Raphael. $702 billion. Google is worth. That Google is worth $1.8 trillion. That's $1,800 billion. Mm. Apple is worth $2 trillion. I'm pretty sure 2.4 trillion. So basically what I'm saying is we out here putting sports team on a pedestal. We just had a whole conversation on flipping to a sports team. We out here aiming for no money. We aiming to be broke. Somebody posted like, <laughs> I, I I declare that you'll make $100,000 before the end of the year. I was like, no, he said so I 20,000 in your bank account by the end of the year. I was like, why yeah. did you want $20,000? <laughs> Like, so you I'm still so got to go to work. So you can go on vacation and be, come back broke. So I say all that to say that um, if you own a company worth $2 trillion, how many billionaires are in that organization, Raphael? A bunch. Mm. Become a billionaire with me, Raphael. If I'm out here repping Tweet Talk, I'm repping your family too. Right. I'm in Texas repping your family because we're collaborating. If you are repping Tweet Talk, you're repping my family. There's an amplifier. Collaboration is an amplifier. Competition is a destroyer. We need to do more building and less destroy. I got the candle going. These Harlem candles. And then we lit. I bought a bunch of these so I could always have one going. It's good. Candle. It's, it smells good. It doesn't smell like a cheap fragrance. They burn a long time. And I'm supporting black folks. I never feel like I'm taking an L from supporting black people ever. No matter how much money I get, I always feel like I'm going to get it back worth and investing in myself. I never feel like I'm taking an L when I support black people. And Harlem candles makes another piece. <laughs> I nice. don't need no advertising money from them. Nice. I just want them to be successful. We'll get it back. We always get it back, man. Right. On that note, I think that's a good place to shut it down. It's a good one. This entire episode is collaboration over competition. And collaborate, collaborate, collaborate. And follow and subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Click the link in the bio in the show notes to me. Subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Tweet Talk Pod. That's P-O-D. Follow my partner Charles on Twitter at 
at Real Todd Billion. Follow myself on Twitter at Work Money Life. Follow us on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. Follow Charles on Instagram at Todd Billion and Todd Capital the Company at Todd Capital. Come mess with us, man. Let's make a billion. Episode 98 of Tweet Talk the Bat Podcast. Raphael and Charles, we are out. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Yes, this is Donald the Voice, the official podcast editor and producer of the Tweet Talk podcast, featuring, of course, Charles Oglesby and the man Raphael Husbands. And look, man, if you just listen to this episode, then you know exactly what I'm capable of. You know my swag, you know what I can do. And so without any further ado, I kind of want to give you a special offer for Tweet Talk Podcast episode listeners. And here's what it is. Head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. And if you have podcasts or video editing needs, let's talk. And of course, I'm giving you a real, real nice deal. But you have to mention that you're a Tweet Talk podcast listener. And this offer isn't going to last forever. So if you're on social media or you have a business or you got something going on to where you need somebody to edit and produce your content, come and holla at your boy. And I promise to take care of you, our dedicated listener to the Tweet Talk podcast. Again, head over to DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page and let's have a little conversation. Okay, back to your day, your evening, your morning, whatever's going on. Peace.